I started to think about it. I said, oh, wait a minute. You know, when they can't get that control and they can't do the things that are obvious, they use some tactics to maintain this power and control. Welcome to the Reclamation Podcast. My name is Aldo Martin. And I'm Cousin Eddie. And together, we're going to explore what it's like to be in and leave a religious cult. For more info on the Reclamation Podcast, find me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Aldo B. Martin. And I was mad when the understudy came in. <laughs> wow, yes. that's, that's another episode. Wow. So it's funny that you should say that yeah. because here, here was this guy. Was it because I was black? Huh? Was it because he was white? Was it because he was able to play a role better than me? Mm. I don't know. Mm. But all I know is that homie went straight bubbles from the wire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Word up. And that was that. So I'm sorry, Tammy. I'm sorry. You saying that, it just brought back that memory for me. So to bring it back to you, you were saying that some people's, not some people's sin, but some people were treated differently from others. Mm-hmm. Right, 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 Please right. Continue. Some people, depending on their role, right? Depending on their role and their part, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is this person, how much is this person going to cost the organization if we lose them? Mm-hmm. Right? How much is this person going to... What does that, that, that mean? I, mm-hmm. I don't mean financially, right, right? We're talking about the numbers, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Long term, right? If we know we want to milk it, you know, we want to be able to, this is one of our strongest players. This is one of our MVDs, most valuable disciples, if you I don't know. <laughs> Yo, we, right? we, we busting out the new slang. MVDs. <laughs> right? And, and then again, we have to think about, because we spoke a little bit about, I think in the past, racism, colorism, and things like that mm-hmm, in the past. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. when you said me being a black man, right... Your voice, the way you show up, your presence, that can be more difficult to control, right? So it's okay if I can remove you and your understudy can come and that's a little bit more manageable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Because Elena can, can, can testify. There were times where I was not manageable. Right. But that's okay. Right. But that's okay. So when you not when you weren't manageable, I'm wondering if you just were your most authentic self, right? I'm wondering those times that you said, wait a minute, to you... I'm stepping outside of the script. Mm-hmm. So now again, I'm unmanageable. I'm difficult. I'm struggling because this is not easy. You know, he's stepping out again. He's actually struggling. He's actually being really difficult. He's causing factions or dissensions or whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh, you're ma- made to feel right. Like it's me. And that's heavy. That's a heavy burden to carry. Right. Mm-hmm. When is. everyone mm-hmm. is letting you know, like you struggling, you always struggling. Mm-hmm. You always, it's always something and not realizing, wait a minute, I'm outnumbered here. Yeah. I know something that goes back to, uh, wait a minute. I knew I wasn't bugging out. Yeah. I knew that environment. Yeah. So for me, that was just, a, when, that just made me think about that. But yeah, going back to that whole situation with me leaving, that's when they, I got a phone call and they told me like, listen, we asked you not to continue to keep in contact, you know, with this particular. And at the time, I think he, he studied the Bible and he got baptized. Okay. I was so, going to ask him if he converted. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, so at the time, they was like, listen, he's a baby Christian, and it's best for y'all, you know. One, I remember one sister came up to me um, after one service in the cafeteria because, you know, we held a lot of these services from the organization in these public schools and these areas. So mm-hmm. I remember she came up to me and she says, you know, and we never really spoke. We weren't like friends or anything. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you know, I think you should be careful because I see you with that guy all the time. You know, she felt the need to say, I need to, I need to let you know that I don't want you struggling. And I was like, well, look at that. And I, at the time, I was like, if you don't mind your business, you, know, <laughs> you know, if you don't mind your business, and get out of here. You know, but I already knew. Um, because, again, going back, I, I felt like I knew that my time, some years leading up to before they asked me to leave or told me that I was no longer welcome in that space, I knew that this is not someplace. And I knew, again, the guidelines of what I need to do. I just kind of said, okay, it's only during time. But I don't feel like I had the strength on my own to walk away. Some people left, you know, on their own, listening Mm -hmm. to some of the guests on the show. They walked away. But for me, I felt like even though I wanted to, it was really difficult. So when they asked me, I felt that relief. At the time, it was sort of like... When they asked you to leave, you felt a relief. Afterwards, because I felt like that part of the show is over. And and you didn't have to end it yourself like they right, did it for right, you. Right, 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 right. It was sort of like I I manifested. I, I would have thoughts in my mind. I, I'm not going to be here until I'm 50, 60 years old. Mm. I didn't see that for my future. I didn't see that for myself. So I didn't mm. know how I was going to get out of here. Mm. But I knew this wasn't going to be every day. Me living in Harlem, going up to the the organization's main headquarters at one of the headquarters at that time in Harlem, I didn't see myself doing that. So when they said, listen, as a result of this particular behavior, I felt conflicted because part of me felt like this was my environment for a decade. Right. But then the other part, I felt relief. I felt like, wow, I sort of like my wings. I'm just starting to like, okay, it's go time. Mm, mm. So when they told you to leave, was it in a public fashion the same way as the young lady I spoke about? Or what was that? Funny enough, it was sort of, kind of. So first, um, my, yeah, the partner I was dating at the time, the husband called him and that's the men is the leaders. Hold hold up, run it back. Yeah. You said the husband of the partner? Right, the hu- no, the husband of the the women's ministry leader. So he was the he was the leader. So, so the, the leader called my partner at the time. So the leader called your partner, right, and, and, and had and a told, conversation with him. Right, had a conversation with him, and told him that they wanted to meet up with him and I. And she called me and said, "I want to meet up with with and who's, you." Who's she? And she's the women's ministry leader at so that the time. Lead, the leader's wife, right? The leader's wife. So right. she met with the two of you together. The, or the couple was separate. Okay, right. as a couple, you as sat a couple. Down. Right. They wanted to meet with us. And um, the wife mentioned to me, we're going to bring a couple of other women. um, And I said, and we're going to bring this this sister in particular. And I said, well, I I don't want her to be there. She says, well, more than likely, she's going to be your discipling partner. Right. And she's really going to help you out of this. And at the time, it was sort of like for me, a slap in the face when someone was... I was going to say supervising, supervising, discipling you, and they were younger than you in the faith. That was sort of like, hold up. Where did all my knowledge and all my wisdom, what you're trying to say that this person that just got here, that they know the script Mm -hmm. better than me? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They know the script. They know the the role better than me. The understudy. The understudy. 
So I said, listen, I don't want, I don't want it there. This is, this is not, she says, well, any particular reason? I don't really, we're not friends like that. And I don't want it there. This is something very important to me. So she got to other people and, and he got to other people. So the men, you know, we're talking to the men and the women, we're talking to the women. And that's when she really started to interrogate me about the details of our intimacy. The fact that we had sex and she wanted to know the specifics and she wanted to know, well, do you know if you were pregnant? And she asked some, some detailed information such as did he ejaculate is that something that he did so they they, they wanted to know that the details which at the time and i was just sobbing i remember sobbing like why why is it any- the interrogation all right it was really really deep and i remember i just want to know what's the point of that, what was that? Like, it's like if somebody had that. sex they had sex that's it like just fill in the blanks i don't understand what the interrogation is for again i'm assuming this is a power trip oh yeah the manipulation the guilt i was sobbing i remember sitting there and i think i think that's what started that that was that little piece of 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 shame that started to mm-hmm. to, to like take, mm-hmm. right 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 it was then that that seed of of shame and guilt was like wait a minute it was actually even afterwards even after being intimate i remember crying profusely Saying, God, what did I do? I remember, I remember afterwards. So being in their being in their apartment and actually having them, you know, continue to belittle and dismiss and just kind of let me have it, you know, at the table, it was just kind of like, all right, well now go home. And that was the night that the next day I remember my nieces was visiting my mom and I went over to see my mom and my nieces always see me bubbly. And I was just crying. I told them, do whatever God tells you to do in your life. You told her this. I told my nieces and they were about I think they were about nine, nine and three. <laughs> they were like, the hell? what the hell is wrong with auntie? Nine and three or maybe oh, ten, four. Oh, but I know that I was just, and they started crying and I was like, do what Jesus tells you to do. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was so crazy. Oh, but, um, my God. yeah, after that, that's when we got, a week later, we got the phone call again separately. Him and I, they said, listen, we need you guys to separate. And like two teenagers, you know, separate <laughs> means just, we just going to spend more time together. And we tried. And if you want to call him, you call the sister. And if he wants to call you, he'll call the brother, you know, again, to manage the situation. Oh, and we just spent more time together. And, um, and eventually they called us and said, listen, you're not following the rules. Mm. So that's when she said, um, you're no longer a member of this organization. And then he called him. And I remember specifically it was on his birthday and we were going out and uh, he got the call from the, the leader and said, basically, you're no longer. He's, he was considered a baby Christian. So you're no longer a member. And he just felt so guilted out because he said, I, I caused I this caused that situation. So that was pretty much. And then that's when they told, they made a public announcement. My mom and my dad were still members of the organization. So at the time I stopped going, obviously my parents still continued to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom, similar to the example that you mentioned of the leader that outed, if you will, the member, they said, you know, they told everyone sort of like in the, public square you know that him and i according to what my mom said because she remembers sitting through that you know and um, that must have been tough for her oh yeah i remember yeah yeah she's saying you know she's no longer a member and i I can't remember the details but basically you can't continue to communicate with her right so obviously my mom must have felt humiliated Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. she must have felt like embarrassed you know Mm -hmm. my dad was also there So, um, yeah, that was, that was very difficult. And that's how people came to find out afterwards, you know? Um, yeah, that's how. So what kind of an effect did that have on you? You know, earlier in our, earlier in our conversation, you mentioned, um, 
You mentioned feeling suicidal. Yes, yes, yes. That was that first, that was that night that I came back from their apartment. I just felt like so low. I felt like so low, but then I felt confused because Mm -hmm. I always battled with, if God is all knowing, he saw this and he knew this before this was going to happen. So this is God punishing me. I, I So many thoughts. Mm, I was mm-hmm, in conflict mm-hmm, with my mm-hmm. thoughts. And the mind is super powerful, super powerful. And whatever you plant will grow. The mind doesn't really know seeds of positivity or seeds of negativity all the time. So you have to direct your thoughts to be. And I think for that time, I didn't really have anybody to call because all of my friends were still in church. We're still in the organization. Right. That's a lonely time. Yeah. That's a dark time. Yeah. That's a dark time. I've been there. I know what that's like. And I think that we have people listening to this episode right now who can attest to that Mm. because they too know what it feels like. Mm. And if you're listening right now and you experience this or are experiencing this right now, you are not alone. You're, you're not alone because I experienced this almost 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. No, excuse me, almost 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. More than 20 years oh, ago. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I made it. Mm-hmm. I did okay mm-hmm. in life. Yeah. And Tammy experienced this. Mm-hmm. And this was almost 10 years ago. Wow, my gosh. Look at that. Yeah. Almost 10 years ago. Wow, yeah. And and you're doing well. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're doing well in life. I'm grateful. So, Thank you. This is not the end all be all, Mm. but I want to continue with your story. Mm -hmm. In one of the, one of our conversations Mm -hmm. that we've had, you equated the relationship that members have with this church. Mm -hmm. You equated that with, with relationships that are domestically violent. Oh yeah. Can you please explain? Well, so in the work that I do, um, for anyone who's a survivor of intimate partner violence, that takes a lot of courage. Mm -hmm. That takes a lot of courage. Mm -hmm. What what takes a lot of courage? It takes a lot of courage to be able to come out of that sort of relationship because, again, you're coming out of that mindset. You're coming out of the person that you used to be when certain behaviors were acceptable. Right? You're no longer. So when I think about the work that I do, the focus really is the power and control dynamic. That's at the root of intimate partner violence in the work. So when I I started to think about it, I said, oh, wait a minute. You know, when they can't get that control and they can't do the things that are obvious, they use some tactics to maintain this power and control. So I started to notice the same things. For instance, one of the tactics an abuser uses in power and control when it comes to domestic violence is isolation. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They take you away from everybody you knew. You know what I mean? Everybody, you can't talk to this one. You can't talk to that one. They start to isolate you because they want to be the person that's the prime go-to, right? The prime source of reason that, you know, you have to go ahead. So isolation is one of them. So that started to pick that up. One of the other ones is using children, using children and domestic violence. You know what I mean? Mm. And children really, they just watch. So you can use children to guilt people out. What about mm-hmm. your kids? You know, you mm. want to be an example. What about your kids? Right. To maintain that control. Because after a while, you're not going to want to leave. Right. Because I, I want to be able to keep my kids safe. So when it comes to things like that, 
The other thing is minimizing, denying, and blaming. These are all tactics that are used. So when you think about inside the organization, a lot of what you thought was minimized, right? We really weren't asked to give your genuine. You wanted to give the right answer, right? To make sure that it's the best answer, right? We didn't do that. It's not that bad. It's not that serious, right? I remember telling other people what I was doing and they were like, that sounds... That don't sound right. And mm-hmm. I was like, no, mm-hmm. no, no. I was defending it. Yep. I was like, it's yep. not. We were all there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I, and I, you know, and that can even happen to your own views. You know, as a member of the organization, you can go to somebody and say, wait a minute, this doesn't sound right. That's not what it is. The minimizing. And these are all tactics. Of, but again, if we will, the members, they, they weren't aware that, and even now they're not really aware those that are there right now, because even a survivor in the midst of that sort of, they're not, they don't connect that they are being mm-hmm. a, a victim of this sort of environment. So it's really difficult on the outside in, you know, it's funny you should say that because the next question is about this church being a cult. Mm. The church has been called a cult by many people. And there are others who say that it's not a cult. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, those are current members Mm. who say it's not. Right. What do you say to both camps or to both sides of the argument? And where are you on how you view the church? Mm. Well, what do I say on both sides and where am I now? Um. A survivor of domestic violence in the relationship doesn't see themselves as a victim inside of that environment, right? They don't see for them, they're functioning, there's some sort of normalcy in that. So they're functioning in that. So for them and those around them that are also sort of like, again, you put on that mask, you put on these glasses, these rose colored glasses, and everybody's looking through these same color lenses. So while they're in this environment, you know, no one's, it would have to take somebody to step out to say maybe something happened or maybe they step out of the script, you know. So for those that are there, wow, that's a really, really interesting place to be in because it's sort of like they have something within them that's saying there's a question mark deep down in. And those that are listening, they know that 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 knowing inside of you that says, well, I know, I know, but but what happens from here? What happens when I leave here? There's that fear, and fear drives us to do some crazy things, even if that means staying put to where I'm at, right? So that may mean, wow, I, I trust what they say. You trust the devil, you know, rather than the devil you don't know. So you trust it. it I, I trust this hell that I know rather mm-hmm. than the hell out mm-hmm. there because I don't know because it's familiar. Yes, right? you feel safe. Even if we don't see it, feel safe. Like it's 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 something you know. You know what to expect. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that's definitely what it is. So right now, my heart, I have more empathy before because I feel like initially um, it wasn't anger. It was definitely hurt. You it have more empathy, empathy towards what? Uh-huh. More sort of towards the survivors and the people that are there now because that before I felt like, take take it off, wake up. Similar Mm -hmm. to another guest, like, wake up, you know, this is, there's life to live. You don't have to live this script, this colorful, there's people you need to meet that want to meet the authentic you, 
right? Well, you can take this mask off and you don't have to. But for some people that are still there, it serves a purpose and everyone's journey is different. And they come to that realization, that enlightenment, if and when they do at their particular time. Mm-hmm. You know, so my heart is definitely more empathetic to and I have more compassion when I meet people now that people have called me afterwards and they wanted to speak. And I, I enjoy really helping after, people. After what? After separating from the organization. Mm. Right. People have called me. Hey, how you doing? Can we meet up? Can we talk? And it's really just for me to listen because I've been on that other side. Mm. So I know, you know, so that's kind of, yeah. So where you're at now, looking back at the organization, would you say that organization was a cult, cult like? What are your views on that? Absolutely. I would say it definitely was cult like and it was religion. It was religion. I think we jumped around and we like to talk about spirituality. I was spiritual. But we brush our teeth religiously. We do it every day. Our behaviors were religious. We went to what they considered midweek. We were religious people. We just did things religiously, mm-hmm. right? And we just like to sort of package it different, right? We're not like those other, you know, people that say they're Christians, <laughs> right? We do. But we were just like the religious. We was, we all wanted to be a Berean, you know, because that's what we were taught. And we didn't want to be Shout like Shout out the to dogs, the Bereans, you though. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Nobody wanted to be those Sadducees or those Pharisees. We didn't want to be those. You know, when you did the study, you did that joint. You was like, I'm, don't you want to be those three Bs, whatever that was? And that stuff is programmed in my brain. The fact that I remember that. I, I, oh, <laughs> Sadducees, I haven't heard that word. Yo, shout out to the word study. I'm telling you and shout out to the this Bereans. First in. of all, first of all, shout out to anybody that ever took notes in a study. Oh my God. You know what I mean? I was a note taker. You know what I'm saying? I think I was a note taker. Even, even, even shout out to those that, 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 that did little illustrations Ooh. in the in the notes. You know what yes. I'm saying? Like it did a little a little little Venn diagram. Oh they was on the if they were doing that, then they was already set up to to get straight up to CEO. You was already ready. You were just wow. yeah. So last question. Yeah. Last question. What would you say to people who are grappling with the aftermath of being involved in such a group? Because we've spoken with people that left. In the early 90s, we've spoken with people that left in the 2000s. Mm. And we've spoken that people that have left during this pandemic. Mm. It's run the gamut. Mm. What would you say to people who are grappling with the aftermath of being involved? You're right where you need to be. You're right where you need to be now. There was nothing by accident. You gained. You've gained a lot from it. You've connected with people. You've gained a lot. Now is when we start to do what your life's mission and purpose is. I feel like now, now, because before they manipulated and controlled a lot, right? So now they're not manipulating and controlling. And now you have the insight. Now you have the wisdom and awareness now to sort of be your most authentic you. You know, I live my life now. I believe that... (laughs) I believe now on on my left shoulder there's a companion and from from birth to death the the companion says you know are you doing what you came here to do mm. are you doing what you came here to do and on your right there's another companion called destiny and destiny's with you from birth to death and you know and are you living the gift of life 
So you have death. Are you doing what you came here to do? And on the right, you have destiny that's saying, are you living the gift of life? And I really want people to really be able to do what they came here to do. Because we all have a purpose. Right? It's different for every, everybody. Oh, you know, it's not going to be the same. Elena, yes. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. Because when you're there, you were just one of, you was just all the same. You were all part. Mm-hmm. But there was no individualism there was nowhere you can bring a certain few people they used their skills and i might have been possibly you know but that you really needed to where you wanted to do it no 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 because everything had to go along so i would just say mm-hmm. you know just just take off the mask if you will right now with this public health pandemic and this crisis and just really be your most authentic self and to your own self be true next time on the reclamation so this this concept, this practice of gaslighting, again, can be intentional. And sometimes people engage in it because of the habit of, of engaging to get what they want. Um, may not have be psychologically savvy enough to notice it, but they're doing it. It's convincing the target or the person that what they're experiencing isn't true and they just need to trust what they're being told about it.